You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to find out more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com where you'll find all of our past podcasts and other blog posts that we have up, along with some other items that you can purchase to help support the Beardcast. So we hope you enjoy listening to this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. Uh, this week on the podcast, um, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to look at um, the wedding at Cana found in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, which is, happens to be this uh, Sunday's lectionary text. And if you're listening to us on Saturday night, God be with you that you may be inspired to write an awesome, fantastic message. But then also, please, you know, you might want to think about thinking ahead and versus mm. writing a sermon on Saturday night. Um, so Zach, as, as you've read through this, and as we've kind of talked about it a little bit, what are some things that, that come to mind to you as you kind of look back through it and some things that are speaking to you at this time? Sure. You know, so, so the wedding at Cana is, is a, this is a miracle we talk about for a lot of different reasons, depending on what, um, what you're trying to do with it, what, what <laughs> if you're trying to prove a point, if you're talking about miracles, whatever. Uh, some people like to point at this and say, you know, sure, as Christians, we, we can drink wine and, and things like that. Jesus made wine. It's one of the first miracles. Uh, and certainly you can point to that in the text. Uh, you know, the custom of the day was at, at weddings and at, at festivals and parties, you know, wine was the drink of choice because water wasn't always uh, clean, wasn't always the thing to drink. Um, and so, you know, we, we use our rationale to go that direction. Uh, other times we we sit back and we take a look at the miracles that Jesus did, and according to to John's gospel here, this is the first. Uh, it's not a healing miracle. It's not um, it, it's it's not what we're used to seeing in Jesus later on in the gospels and all four of them. It's it's the simple act of providing, turning water into wine. Um, and and we kind of go from there um you know if you take it in the gospel of john and then you take the other three gospels you see something a little bit different about jesus um here that that jesus is just on it and he's like nah you know it's not not really my day yet uh talking to his mom when she says hey we're out of wine um but he goes ahead and performs this miracle and then some would argue that maybe it's not a miracle at all because it's just water into wine right um, and so there's a lot, lot here, especially as we get into the nitty gritty, and I know Matt will pull some out there. Um, but for me, I think it's, I think what stands out is no, this isn't a healing miracle. No, this isn't really something, uh, you know, way out there that's fantastic that would have brought people to awe. It was simply water into wine. And, and it reminds me of, of those moments in our day-to-day lives where we possibly miss uh the little miracles the little day-to-day things that we see god at work that maybe we write them off as something else maybe they're not extravagant enough maybe they don't tell the story we want it to tell and and so we don't recognize it as a, a miracle as as god at work in our lives is uh you know in in just kind of write it off well you know it's just it's water into wine you know or or if somebody got better or you know whatever um and so that, to me, that, that story here just reminds me to slow down a little bit, to recognize the things that are going on in my life that are truly miracles and be able to be, be willing to recognize them as that uh, because those are really, really important, even if they seem little, still a miracle, right? And so that's kind of where I go with that. 
so I was thinking about that and thinking about, you know, what, when I was reading it and uh, the story came to mind that um, there was a church in North Carolina um, where they were trying to make the staff be more responsible with the coffee cups. And, um, and so the secretary taped on the pot, um, if Jesus drank the last cup of coffee, what would he have done? Go and do likewise. And uh, <laughs> so then the next morning, uh, they walked in and saw that somebody had scribbled on there that Jesus would have turned the water into wine instead of coffee. And, uh, you know, kind of a little funny, but, um, you know, it's hot, I find it interesting how often the argument is made with this particular sign. Uh, this is the first of the signs uh, in the gospel of John um, that we see in this first half of this gospel. There are seven signs leading up mm -hmm. to the first half, and this is the first one. And so in this right. first miracle, we see um, Jesus do this this awesome thing. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to a party where they've run out of food or drink or anything, but man, it's a bummer. And here they are, they, they find themselves in that situation again. And then Jesus is like, all right, I got this, you know, like, don't worry about this. Um, uh, you know, um, and it kind of like alludes that something's going to happen later. I mean, like mm -hmm. there are a couple of things here that could, should like ring, like some forecasting. The first is the, the third day. I mm -hmm. mean, here we are on the third day, there was a wedding and, and, on, you know, that should kind of like, if you knew the whole story, you're like, Oh wow. Like on the third day, this new wine is coming. Well, at Easter time on the, mm -hmm. on that third day, the new wine is coming. And, um, you know, that, that's one of those things is like, Oh wow. Like foreshadowing kind of deal. Um, but as, as I look at this, and one of the things that kind of stuck with me or I've been wrestling with is that in verse nine, the head waiter tasted the water uh, that had become wine. He didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And what I find interesting is you have this waiter, the head waiter, uh, not only just like some side guy, but like the main guy, the guy that should know everything, the guy that knows all their inner workings of what's going on at this wedding. He, um, he tastes this wine and he's like, wow, you know, this is some good stuff. Like, we should have given, you know, this should have been the first stuff, not the second tier because the second tier is not the good stuff. You know, we, we want to make sure that that's the case, but like, where did this come from? Like we didn't have any of this before. Like this isn't what we had before. Like, and, and we can play that in our minds. Like when we think about this story, when we think about the, the story of Jesus, um, how often we see that, like, this wasn't what we were anticipating, but this, what we got was way better. Mm -hmm. um, the healing that we got was not necessarily the healing we thought, but was way better. And I, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that's what Jesus brings to the table is it may not be exactly what we thought, but man, it's going to be a lot better. And so, you know, as I think about this and I think about how like this miraculous thing that happened was, was really cool. Um, but we shouldn't get just lost in the argument or the conversation of just Jesus taking the water and turning it into wine, mm -hmm. but really get lost in the conversation of what, this little story foreshadows for what's to come. Um, and, and I think that that sets us up for a really cool experience within the gospels, but then also like, you know, if we put ourselves in this story and we find ourselves at the end, we're like, Hey, remember Cana when he did this, like in all the, the way that this played out. Wow. Like that's wow. Like, and, and, and you know, Methodists kind of call that provenient grace when we recognize it. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's just like, kind of what I was going with with this. Well, and, and, and maybe that's it, right? Maybe, so as people, we have the tendency to be like, it's never going to get better than this, right? Um, from here on out, it's just going to be, ah, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, but when, when we take a look at this and, and, and the head waiter's like, well, why didn't we give this first, right? 
you know, we, we give the top shelf stuff first so that when it runs out, we can get the lower stuff and nobody cares. Um, and, and it's this turn turn around on that, that, Oh, it just gets better. It just keeps getting better. And uh, we see that progression in the miracles uh, with Jesus. We see that progression um, in our own faith and our own relationship with, with Jesus that it doesn't start at the top and then go down. Uh, it starts and continues to strengthen, continues to grow, continues to do these things. Um, because if we, if our relationship with God starts at the very, very top and it never gets any better than that, we're going to fall out, you know, why continue on on this? Right. Um, and, and so maybe it becomes about that, that this is the expectation that we should have that, that faith as our faith grows, our relationship with God grows yet so do the miracles. Uh, and, and we're able to see the little things in life and we're able to see the big things in life and they're all important. Um, and they keep well, growing. And I think that that's about being present. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think far too often we miss out on opportunities uh, uh, of things because we're either not paying attention or we're not, we choose not to be present. And I think that that's the, um, you know, think about you know, I think I think a good thing to reflect on is in, in the story for this week is you're you know as you're maybe if you're writing your sermon tomorrow or whatever, um, or as you're thinking about this you know for a later sermon or whatever, how can we be present? Um, are we going to be present like the head waiter and not fully invested into it and paying attention to the inner workings of going on? You know, knowing what the server you know you know being connected into that interconnectedness, but um, maybe what if we really just stopped? and enjoyed the wine. Sure. Um, I think, I think if, if we, if we focus on presence and those opportunities of sharing grace, those opportunities of, of being present in our communities and our world, I mean, could you imagine what that would look like for our church? Um, and so, you know, we want to, once you go online, look at beardedtheologians.com. Um, in a couple of weeks, uh, Zach and I are going to be uh, together and doing some fun things and exciting things like we always do when we get together in Denver. Um, and so be on the lookout for some of the things that we may be hosting. If you're listening to this after the fact, we're sorry that you missed us. Um, but you can always catch us online at beardedtheologians.com. We've got some great stuff to, uh, to buy and to read and all that good stuff. And so for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtel. Thanks for checking us out. We hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had today on the Bearded Theologians Beardcast, and we'd encourage you to continue those conversations online at beardedtheologians.com or on our Facebook page. We also hope that you pick up a couple of coffee mugs to uh, satisfy your coffee mug collection. Have a good day.